Merry Christmas to you and your kin. You are listening to another episode of the Michael Like Stuff podcast. I'm so, so glad that you have tuned in to the podcast today, no matter where you are or what you're doing, or if this is just on in the background. Thank you for listening to my podcast. It means the world. In the right now section of the podcast today, I ranked five Christmas movies. I talked about last episode how the draft turned out, sort of responded to some of the hate out there. Um, (laughs) um, uh, I talked about getting our engagement pictures back, and I talked about some thoughts that I had on Survivor after the Right Now section. So if you want to skip over all of that and just get to the main portion of the podcast today, I talked about the Titans. They beat the Detroit Lions today in pretty impressive fashion. They're 10 and 4. The playoffs are coming. So I talked about the Titans, about this season, what I like, what I'm a little bit concerned about. And then I picked an all Titans team. So the greatest Titans ever. I picked a team full of them. So, anyways, that was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. I hope that you and your people have a Merry Christmas and that you stay safe. Right now. Oh, 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 Merry Christmas. Today in the Right Now segment, I thought because it is Christmas this week, that I would rank five Christmas movies. No, these are not the five best Christmas movies. These are the five Christmas movies that are freshest on my mind. So here goes. I will be ranking the movies It's a Wonderful Life, The Holiday, The Grinch, Home Alone, and White Christmas. Why? Because I've watched these movies recently. So they are fresh on my mind. They are not an extensive list of Christmas movies. Don't get mad if I didn't include your favorite Christmas movie. I do have one question, though. Have you seen Miracle on 34th Street? Because growing up, I thought that was an essential Christmas movie. We watched it every year. But now I kind of feel like no one has seen that, and that kind of bugs me out. So let me know if you've seen Miracle on 34th Street. But anyways, that is not one of the movies that I will be ranking in the Right Now segment today. These are my personal opinions. I'm not using a rubric for these. Okay, so here goes nothing, starting at number five. At number five, I have The Holiday. Okay, here's my thing with The Holiday. The movie itself does not really make any sense. Not all the characters that you're supposed to like, you like. Like Jack Black's character is primarily the most unlikable character that you're supposed to like in the movie. He is a creep. He was trying to get with Kate Winslet's character from the very beginning, even though he had a girlfriend. But then we're supposed to feel bad for him when his girlfriend is out with another guy. When... If Kate Winslet had wanted to go out with him, he would have. So the whole thing to me is a little bit fishy. I don't understand why we're supposed to like the Jack Black character, but I know that we're supposed to. 
the movie itself doesn't make sense. Never has there been something online where people trade houses, anything that I've heard of. So the whole premise of the movie doesn't really make sense to me. And so I have it coming in at number five on this ranking of five Christmas movies that are fresh on my mind. Number four, I have It's a Wonderful Life. Now, I have watched It's a Wonderful Life probably every year for my entire life. And it's another movie that I don't think a lot of people that are younger than me have seen. Here's the thing. The movie itself is not great. The acting is not great. The cinematography is not great. But then again, it was filmed a really, really, really long time ago. It is in black and white. And I guess there is a colorized version out there, but I have not seen it. It's a Wonderful Life comes in at number four to me because even though it is not the best produced movie that you'll watch this Christmas season, it actually says a lot about the human spirit, says a lot about greed and what that can do and that desire that some people have to essentially own other people. And it paints that in a really negative light. And I appreciate that. So It's a Wonderful Life comes in at number four for me today. At number three comes in The Grinch. And I'm talking about the animated version of The Grinch. I don't know if you've seen it, but I saw it. I hadn't seen it. I saw it for the first time a couple weeks ago and I actually really, really liked it. You know, it's not as wacky and strange as the Jim Carrey version of The Grinch. And it was really kid-friendly. There was some really cool music in it. I just thought it was a really neat movie. And it's something that I feel like kids would really like. I think kids are horrified of the Jim Carrey Grinch. But this was a lovable Grinch. And so at number three, I am putting the Grinch. At number two, I have the movie White Christmas. Okay, everybody. Truth time. I love White Christmas. For my entire life, it has been my favorite Christmas movie, or at least one of. I love the songs. I sing the songs year round. The dancing song, like, just ask Madeline how many times I have broke into that one. They have just, I don't know. To me, it's just a classic Christmas movie. I really, really enjoy the characters and the plot. And, you know, I was watching it again, and and once again, it's a Christmas movie. It doesn't always make sense, but it has high, high levels of sentimental value to me. So I am putting White Christmas in at number two. At number one, if you had asked me two weeks ago what I would put number one on this list, it would not be Home Alone. But I am putting Home Alone at number one on my ranking of these five Christmas movies. Home Alone made me laugh out loud throughout the whole movie when I watched it two weeks ago. Now, it's not like it's the first time I've seen it. I've seen it hundreds of times, but something about watching it as an adult makes me 
get the movie so much more. Now, I've always loved this movie. There's nothing better than just some good old-fashioned slapstick comedy. These dummy burglars are breaking in to this kid's house, and he's fending them off with all these ridiculous booby traps and obstacles. But I actually feel like I got the movie this last time, and... It was awesome. Now, I hope that I would never leave a kid at home when we go on vacation. I feel like these days that would be impossible. The, the, the premise of the movie could not happen since 9-11. Because I don't know how you get all the way through airport security without realizing you don't have somebody now. But I have led mission trips. I have been accountable for people going through an airport. There's a lot going on. But yeah, all-time bad parent move, leaving your kid at home while you go to France. Like, all-time bad parent move. But the movie makes me laugh. And it makes me laugh in a way that is wholesome and fun. And I really, really like it. So Home Alone gets number one on my ranking of these five Christmas movies. So I'll read them back to you. Number one, Home Alone. Number two, White Christmas. Number three, The Grinch. Number four, It's a Wonderful Life. And number five, The Holiday. One more thing I wanted to address on this Right Now segment is the last episode, the NBA Young Core Draft recap. I just want to do a little bit of recap on that because... The feedback I've gotten has been mixed. I think that I overall have the best team, but I can totally see why someone would say Chase has the best team because in the NBA, if you have a top five NBA player, that goes a long way, and Chase got the first pick. Chase picked Luka Doncic. I would have picked Luka Doncic if I had the first pick. Tanner probably would have picked Luka Doncic if he had the first pick, but the facts are that Chase had the first pick. The one regret that I have in that whole draft is not drafting Bam Adebayo in the second round. He is significantly a better big man than all the other eligible players for that draft, and I wasn't really thinking about it positionally. So if I could go back in time, I would take Bam Adebayo in the second round and John Morant in the third. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. Chase ended up with both Luca and Bam, and that was bad for me. But I will say, my bench is loaded. I would take my bench over either Chase or Tanner's. We're a far deeper team. But anyways, I don't want to rehash fictional things, um, but I just did. So if you think Chase had the best team, I understand. But I would also say, don't sleep on John Morant. That guy's looking great this season. Other news in right now, Madeline and I got our engagement pictures back. So if you are in the Nashville area and you need a photographer, hit up Jamie Pratt Photography. She is fantastic. Number one, she's a great hang. Number two, she takes some of the best pictures that I've seen. Uh, You're going to love your pictures. They're going to be great. Hire Jamie. She's great. I'm not getting paid to say this. I just love our pictures. They're wonderful. So hire Jamie. 
Last thing on the right now segment of this podcast is I wanted to talk a little bit of Survivor today, just a thought that I've I've had. So if you don't know, Survivor normally films both of their seasons for the year in the late spring, early summer. So they film them back to back, and then the first one airs in the fall, and the next one airs in the spring. We have not gotten a Survivor season this year. So we have missed season 41, and... That would have been ending last week, and 42 would have been starting in February. Now, neither of those seasons happening on time. So the optimistic hope is that season 41 is going to start, going to air in the summertime, and then 42 in the fall and 43 in the spring. So they'll try to squeeze three in this year, but I I don't really have any hope that that was going to happen. But what I really wanted to talk about was I follow uh, Survivor Reddit on Twitter and they tweeted out uh, a picture of the last four woman winners of Survivor. And here's the thing, everybody. Out of the last 16 seasons, only four of them have been won by women. And I was thinking about this, and I know that this is like a really hot topic in Survivor circles. There's a lot of talk right now about diversity, especially ethnic diversity, and they, Survivor, uh, CBS as well, has committed to all of their um, challenge reality shows being casted 50% non-white people. So good on CBS for doing that. But I think when we're talking about winners, what we need to realize is that it's not as much a diversity of CBS casting. It's more of a diversity of thought among the actual players who are voting on who wins Survivor. So if you watch Survivor, you probably know that certain people are identified as threats And if those people get to the end, they often win because their threat level, quote unquote, is higher. And almost all these times, the quote unquote higher threats are men. And I think this is because their physical threat and challenges. Um, Statistically, over the years, men have found immunity idols more, hidden immunity idols, they have found them more. And I don't know what's the deal with the immunity idol thing. Um, but I, I really think that the emphasis of survivor has changed. I really think that for many years, survivor was about getting to the end of the game and being the most well-liked person sitting there at the end. And yes, it mattered if you won immunity challenges it mattered if you had a hidden had played a hidden immunity idol properly but really people didn't often vote for people that they just straight up didn't like and i think that the voting mindset has changed i think modern survivor players are more likely to vote for players that they didn't like if they believe that they had a good gameplay And I think that part of the heart of Survivor that has been lost was the social gameplay aspect, where part of the game is voting people out 
while not getting voted out, while having those people like you enough that they want to give you a million dollars at the end. And I really think that we have sort of lost that. I really think if Russell Hance had played Survivor in 2020, he would probably have won if he had played that same game because he was sort of controlling a lot of the votes. Uh, He was playing immunity idols. He won immunity challenges when he absolutely had to. And I think that that would be a winning game now when, when he played. He was so disliked that... They just wouldn't vote for him. And so I think that when you view men as the greater physical threat and there's a greater emphasis on the physical portion of the game, be it challenges and immunity idols and not as much social navigation, I think that that sort of results in men winning more if they're able to make it to the end, which... I don't really like. I think it puts women at a disadvantage. Um, And that's not to say that women can't win immunities and that women can't find immunity idols because they can. And a lot of these challenges are made so that they are not just based on like how much you can bench press or whatever. But I think that the way that women are perceived on the show is not the same as men are perceived by the rest of the cast who end up voting. And I don't know how that changes. So that's my thoughts on Survivor. Um, It's disheartening that men are so much more likely to win because I do think it takes a lot of the fun out of watching if you really like these characters that you don't think are going to be able to win in the end, like Michelle Fitzgerald last season. Uh, played an excellent game so anyways those are my survivor thoughts that's it for right now let's get on to titans talk the tennessee titans are 10 and 4 today's game was impressive if you had told me we'd be at 10 and 4 at the beginning of the season i would have taken it in a heartbeat and i still feel good about it but the bummer is it's looking like we could end up 12-4 and four and still be the fourth seed in the AFC. Now, this is a testament to the strength of the AFC, but come on. Now, it's quite possible that we drop a game. We've got the Green Bay Packers still on the schedule, and we end up 11-5 and five as a wild card. Oof. That's okay. We have put our 9-7 and seven woes behind us. And if there's anything that we've shown the last two times we've been in the playoffs, anything can happen in the playoffs. So here's what I like about the Titans. Number one, and probably most obviously, our running game. We have an all-time good running back right now. Derrick Henry is a physical specimen who... No one in the NFL really wants to tackle. He is incredibly fast, incredibly strong. He stiff arms people. Oh, today's stiff arm was perhaps the most violent stiff arm he's had, which is saying something. I mean, that he just chucked that dude into the ground. Derrick Henry is a machine. But here's the thing. 
he doesn't get all those yards if our O-line is not just bulldozing people. Our O-line was getting five yards of push on many of these carries today for Derrick Henry. I know that when Taylor Lewan went out at the beginning of the season, we lost Jack Conklin in the offseason. We didn't really know if something like a Taylor Lewan injury happened, how we would end up. We wouldn't have a Dennis Kelly to bring off the sideline and throw in on the offensive line. But Questenberry, Sam Brilo, like, all these guys, Nate Davis has really come on. Saffold has been solid. Ben Jones is, I would say, maybe one of the most underrated players on our team. Our offensive line is moving people. And when it's a situation like this where just random dudes are coming in and they're excelling with the exception of Isaiah Wilson, but I don't want to talk about him. I'm annoyed with that whole situation. But when we've got all these offensive linemen just coming in off the sideline and performing at the level that they're performing, you have to tip your cap to the offensive line coaching. And our guys are doing a great job. We're doing a great job. Another thing that I think can often be overlooked among Derrick Henry's dominance is how good our receivers are at blocking. It's not just our tight ends. I mean, we're talking about Corey Davis and A.J. Brown blocking down the field, which makes sense. They're huge guys, but most receivers of their caliber are not as interested in blocking as they are. And so I love our running game. And I know that the analytics guys out there think we run the ball too much on first down. But the amount that we are predictable on running the ball on first down makes our play action attempts so much more successful because when we have Corey Davis or Derrick Henry coming across the middle on a play action on first down, at least half the time they are wide open. So I love our run game. I love what it's doing for our passing game. Here's what else I love about the Titans. Corey Brown... (laughs) AJ Brown, sorry, and Corey Davis. Here's my question of the week for all my Titans fans out there to answer. Is AJ Brown and Corey Davis the best receiving tandem that the Titans have ever had? Now, we've had Kevin Dyson and Derek Mason. And Derek Mason, I mean, he is Hall of Fame eligible. Do I think he'll ever get in? No, but I mean... He was a multiple-time pro bowler, a great receiver. But I don't think that we've ever had two receivers at the same time who are able to do what A.J. Brown and Corey Davis are able to do. Corey Davis, I'm going to be sad if we don't resign him. And I I know A.J. Brown tweeted something out after the game today. Like, I, I know this is in the future and everything, but I hope that Corey Davis is playing football next to me next year because Corey Davis has really come on. And I think that there was, number one, I think when your first three and a half years, Marcus Mariota's throwing you the ball, it's kind of hard to judge you as a talent. But number two, he has dealt with a lot of health stuff 
over his first four seasons, and he has been really healthy this season. And I think that that's come a long way for him. That's really, really helped him out. I have loved what I've seen from Corey Davis this year. I mean, he had a, he had a catch today that, I mean, the dude was the he was coming across the middle. The guys all over him. The ball. I mean, he had to like reach behind his body. It was it was a really impressive catch. Um, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say AJ Brown and Corey Davis are the best Titans receiving tandem of all time. Let me know if you disagree with that. I want to know who you would put in that, but. Yeah, I'm taking Brown and Davis. Next up, thing I love about the Titans is Ryan Tannehill. Now, let's get this straight, everybody. Uh, Titans Twitter can calm down a little bit about Ryan Tannehill. All the buzz about him being in the MVP hunt at the beginning of the season. I mean, come on. But here's the thing about Tannehill. He is insanely accurate. He's a good decision maker. And when he needs to, he can run it. Tannehill is a multi-tooled NFL quarterback who is making the right play on almost every play. Now, we've had a lot of quarterbacks here in Nashville since Steve McNair. And... I can say that I didn't trust a single one of them with the game on the line. Fourth quarter, down three, down four, with a minute and a half left, with Tannehill and our offense out there, I'm feeling good about our chances. I haven't been able to say that in a long time. So I love Ryan Tannehill. He is a trustworthy quarterback. You can count on him to make the right decision. And yeah, it's not like he's never thrown an interception, but when he's got a good pocket and the the run game is working, Tannehill is a very effective passer. And he no, he's probably not a top five NFL quarterback, though his stats have him in that. But he is darn good and the best we've had since Steve McNair. What else do I love about the Titans? Mike Rabel. Do I love Mike Vrabel as a de facto defensive coordinator? Absolutely not. Do I wish we had a a true defensive coordinator? Yes. Do I think Shane Bowen is our de de facto defensive coordinator? Yes, I do. Do I think he's doing a great job? No. But here's the thing. I can count on Mike Vrabel to use his challenges at the right time, to call timeouts at the right time, to do everything in his power to give the Titans a competitive advantage to win a football game. I don't know if you've watched much NFL outside of the Titans games this year, but there's a lot of coaches who are not managing the game half as well as Mike Grable is. I also think he's incredibly well-liked by the players. He has them ready to play. We there have been a there's been one game this season where I felt like we completely absolutely dropped the ball. That was against the Bengals. But other than that, our guys show up ready to play and I think as the season gets later and we get into the playoffs, having Vrabel on our sideline is an even greater advantage. So, that is what I like the most about the Titans got our run game with Derrick Henry. We got Brown and Davis. 
Tannehill, Vrabel, and honestly, I'm just going to go ahead and throw our tight ends in there because we have four tight ends that I like. Four of them. I trust these guys. They're solid. And if something happens to a receiver, we can always throw Ferkser in the slot. We can throw Jonu in the slot. We have guys that can do a lot of different things. So that's what I like about the Titans. Notice that all those things happen to be on offense. Here's what I don't like about the Titans. Our pass rush. The additions of Jadavian Clowney and Vic Beasley are turning out to be a complete failure. Beasley's already gone. Clowney's hurt. I'm still sort of holding out hope that Clowney can come back and be helpful on our defense, but I am past thinking that having him out there is going to be any sort of game changer for us. Our defense needs a pass rush to function, and right now we don't have it. Here's what the, the one bright spot is Harold Landry. I have really gone both ways on Landry throughout his career. I've There are moments where I've been excited about him, and I have been a little disappointed because he is not a high-ceiling guy. But what I do love about Harold Landry is he has an insane motor. He's going to go hard for the whole game. And when you need it most, I trust him to make a play. But as far as our pass rush goes, if if Jeffrey Simmons or Tart isn't coming up the middle, I really don't trust our edge guys at all to get pressure. We saw that today against the Lions. Luckily, our secondary is coming back and getting healthier. Um, but it's still a concern for me. Our pass rush is not great. Uh, which leads me to another thing I don't like, our back end. Now, we have been, this is the facts, we have been shorthanded most of the year. We haven't had a Dory Jackson all season until today. Uh, we have had to throw, I mean, we were starting Jonathan Joseph at the beginning of the year, folks. Jonathan Joseph, we were starting him on defense at cornerback. And that dude, I mean, he probably runs like a 4-7, 4-8-40 at this point. Like, it was hard to watch. After splitting with him, like, we tried out some different guys. Here's the thing. With Ty Smith, he just he's just going to hang around the Titans organization forever, it seems like. He's never going to come on and really be good. He is a guy that you throw out there when you have to throw somebody out because you think, he knows the system, and he's as good as we can get on a week's notice. So do I like Ty Smith? Do I think he's he's really good for us? No. Do I think we have a ton of other options if we're dealing with a lot of injuries? No, I don't. Um, Adore Jackson played football today. That was huge. Chris Jackson played football today. That was huge. I'm hopeful that we are going to get a boost from our back end down the home stretch when we absolutely really, really need it. And if Kenny Vaccaro is able to come back, we could actually be at a greater strength level in our back end than we've been the whole season, which would be huge uh, for our pass rush. 
So we might be able to actually start manufacturing some some uh, pressure by blitzing if we think that our guys aren't aren't going to get burnt in the back end. So that said, if Adoree Jackson is able to look like the Adoree Jackson we saw last year down the the home stretch and into the playoffs, I'm actually feeling pretty good about our chances in the back end. But as it stands now, it is a concern. Finally, this is a this is a thing I'm maybe the most concerned about because when we're in the playoffs and we are playing only good teams, we are going to need Steven Goskowski to be trustworthy and to make 40-yard field goals. I don't know that we're going to need him to make 55 and up yard field goals, but the thing that he has struggled with is like 40-yard field goals this year. It's really concerning because the Titans seem to always play close games against good teams. With a bad team, we might blow them out. We might get beat fairly. But against good teams, we often end up in these close games. And are we going to be able to count on him to make a field goal for us when it matters most? Only time will tell on that. So those are my likes about the Titans. Those are my concerns about the Titans. And I thought it would be a fun exercise at the end of the podcast here to break down an all Titans team. So I'm not going to do like every offensive line position I'm not doing like a fullback. It's more like NFL street style. So if you remember NFL street, you know, you pick a quarterback, a running back, a receiver or two, a corner or two, you know, a linebacker. So that that's kind of what we're doing here. So this is my all Titans team. I'm going to walk us through this here. So at quarterback, the key choice at quarterback is clear. Ryan Tannehill or Steve McNair. Now, for all you Vince Young truthers out there, that was short-lived, and it didn't reach very high heights in hindsight. So we've really, we're really looking at Ryan Tannehill versus Steve McNair. And for all the stat heads out there, they are going to say that Ryan Tannehill's stats are significantly past Steve McNair's based on this season. Anything that Tannehill has done this season is is at a higher level than Steve McNair. And that's fair. But I really think McNair was carrying a load that Tannehill has not had to carry. Steve McNair was, I believe, co-MVP with Peyton Manning one season. Steve McNair is an incredibly beloved figure in Nashville. And I have an incredible sentimental attachment to number nine. So for my all Titans team at quarterback, I'm sorry. Maybe I'll change my mind if Tannehill is still rolling in two years, but right now I've got to take Steve McNair at quarterback. So at running back, we have had actually pretty good luck with running backs here in Nashville. Choosing between Eddie George, Chris Johnson, Derek Henry, we have been incredibly fortunate to have good running backs here and any seasons that we have been successful, we have had a good running back on our team. 
Bishop Sankey, Chris Brown, guys like that, they, they didn't take us anywhere. But when we had Eddie George and we had Chris Johnson and we had Derrick Henry, things worked out, and significantly more with Eddie George and Derrick Henry. Now, this may be controversial, and if you thought I was going to roll old school the whole way because of that Steve McNair pick, I'm sorry. But the things Derrick Henry is doing are ridiculous. 200-yard games. Eddie George was putting up really good numbers, but that was a different NFL. A lot of teams were running the ball a lot. Derrick Henry is far and above every other NFL running back right now. So I'm going to take Derrick Henry at running back for the All-Titans team. So we got Steve McNair at quarterback, Derrick Henry at running back. Let's talk receivers for a second. This is really interesting to me because we haven't had a lot of great receivers. We've had a lot of misses at receivers. Uh, You can look at Kenny Britt, Tyrone Calico, Guys with uber potential who didn't pan out. Kendall Wright, Tyrod Taylor. The list goes on. But these are the few guys that I'm thinking of when I'm thinking of Titans receivers that have a chance at being on the all-Titans team. Number one, Derek Mason. Probably never going to be a Hall of Famer, but a darn good receiver Maybe the best in Titans history. A.J. Brown, yes. It may be premature to have him on this list. It's his second season. But the things that he has done, the electrifying plays he has made are things that, honestly, we haven't seen. Not in my lifetime. Here in Nashville. So, A.J. Brown is on this list. Kevin Dyson. Have you ever heard of the Music City Miracle? Okay, He's a special player. He has sentimental value to me as well. So I have to put him in there. This might be kind of a deep cut, but I'm putting Drew Bennett on this list. Uh, Drew Bennett was really, really solid for a pretty significant amount of time with the Titans. He's not going to be on this all-Titans team, but I just thought it was a fun guy to throw in. And guess who else I'm throwing in? Corey Davis. Definitely wouldn't have made this list last year, but what he's doing this year is significant. So who am I choosing for wide receiver on the all-Titans team? I'm going to take two or three. I'm going to take Derek Mason, obviously. I still think he's the best receiver the Titans have ever had. His longevity and his statistics and his, his consistency are really important, and I think he's he's got to be number one receiver on the All-Titans team. And I'm really tempted to take A.J. Brown and Corey Davis here, and so I am going to do that. Give me Mason, Brown, and Davis. That's devastating. That is actually a really devastating receiver core. Obviously, it's not real, so that helps, but I'm going to take Mason, Brown, and Davis at receiver. Let's talk tight ends. As I said earlier, we got four good tight ends now. But we've had some good tight ends in the past, too. We've had Frank Wycheck, Delaney Walker, Aaron Kinney, if you want a deep cut. 
Wycheck is a beloved Nashville figure, uh, longtime radio host, longtime uh, partner of Mike Keith in the booth. But as far as on the field goes, I'm going to take Delaney Walker. He was the one bright spot on a horrible offense for several years. He was making Marcus Mariota look like a good quarterback. So I'm going to take Delaney Walker at tight end. I'm just going to pick a couple offensive linemen here. Like I said, we're doing NFL street style. So I'm just going to pick a couple offensive linemen here. Got Bruce Matthews, Brad Hopkins, Michael Roos, Taylor Lewan, Ben Jones, as I mentioned earlier. I'm really into Ben Jones. That guy, he's a good football player. But Bruce Matthews is an all-time talent, and he has got to make this. And I'm going to put Brad Hopkins on here too. So I'm going to take Bruce Matthews and Brad Hopkins for our offensive line. So you can't really – I would be surprised to hear beefs with those picks. I think that there are some longtime Titans fans who might be bummed I didn't pick Frank Wycheck. Uh, There might be some people with beefs about wide receiver, but we've really had a revolving door of receivers for a long time. So let's move on to the defensive side of the ball, starting with D-line. And so with the defensive line, I'm going to include edge rushers too. So I know, you know, if you're, if you're playing Madden, Harold Landry might be considered a linebacker, but for all practical purposes, he's really a defensive end in my book. So here is what I've got on the D-line. These are options. And we've had some good guys, some good defensive linemen. Javon Curse, the freak, Kyle Vandenbosch, Albert Hainsworth, Brian Arakpo, Jarrell Casey, our guy, Jeffrey Simmons, Big Jeff. This is hard. This is a really hard choice. We've had some really good defensive linemen. I actually remember it was either on... I think it was ESPN the magazine one year we had our four defensive linemen were on the cover of ESPN the magazine and it was like the coolest thing ever. It was like Javon Kurz, Albert Hainsworth, Kyle Vandenbosch, might've been like Robert Smith, something like that. That was a really cool. If anyone has that ESPN the magazine, send me a picture of it cause I want to see it. Um, so here's what I got. I'm picking two defensive linemen. Give me the freak, Javon Curse, and Albert Hainsworth. I think that Jarrell Casey was a great Titan for a long time, uh, but he never was as devastating to opposing offenses as Albert Hainsworth. And I think Jeffrey Simmons has a shot to be in this conversation, but it's he hasn't done it for long enough yet. So I'm going to take Javon Kurz and Albert Hainsworth for defensive linemen. All right, linebackers. Guys, this is where it gets kind of weird. So there is an obvious choice here. And then if I want to pick more than one, it, it kind of gets 
kind of icky. So obviously there's Keith Bullock. Keith Bullock is one of the greatest Titans of all time. I still wear my Keith Bullock Titans jersey on Sundays. I love Keith Bullock. He was a run stopper who was great at covering tight ends. This really tall, big, burly guy, long. Just a guy I wanted to play football like. Did I ever play football like him? No, of course not. How could I? But Keith Bullock has got to be on the all Titans team. So now we're just talking. If we want to pick one more person, who's that going to be? And this is this is kind of hard because we've had a lot of misses at linebacker over the years. Over the last 20 years, we've had a lot of misses at linebacker. And then if you just start thinking about guys who played for the Titans for a while, you start thinking about guys like Wesley Woodyard, Peter Sermon, you know, just like, hmm. And so this is what I'm going to do. For my second Titans linebacker, got Keith Bullock already. For my second Titans linebacker, I'm taking Jayon Brown. Yeah, I know. This is probably a recency bias homer take. But Jayon Brown brings so much to our defense. He is able to cover tight ends. He's able to cover running backs. And he is not ineffective in the run game. And I actually think one thing I really like about our defense is when Brown and Evans are both healthy because they do have different skill sets. And I think that that's really important. Rashawn Evans is a great up the middle run stopper. In fact, if you're inside the three, you should try something else because Rashawn Evans is breaking this up. And Jayon Brown compliments him so well. I love Jayon Brown. But just like, please, like Google Titans linebacking cores from like 2008, 2012. You're going to find names like Gerald McGrath, Josh Brown, just guys that we drafted high that just didn't pan out. And by high, I mean like second round. But yeah, you're not going to be impressed. So I'm going to take Keith Bullock and Jayon Brown. Cornerback. We've had some good corners come through. Uh, just to mention a few, we got Samari Roll, Cortland Finnegan, Alteron Werner, Jason McCourty, Malcolm Butler, and now Adoree Jackson. Don't forget about Pac-Man Jones. And you might think Pac-Man Jones, like, give me a break, man. That was a that was a bust. He was a good corner when he was on the field for us, and he went on to have a long NFL career. In fact, I remember it was the first regular season Titans game that my family ever went to. And I believe I was in eighth grade. We had Vince Young. We had Pac-Man Jones. And we were down 21 points to the Giants in the fourth quarter. And the Titans came back and won the game. Vince Young is like had the most Houdini scramble that I have ever seen. The guy had him wrapped up. He pump faked. The guy let go. And he took off for a first down. It was ridiculous. Pac-Man Jones had a huge interception in that fourth quarter to help us come back in that game. Uh, look that up. This is a, one of the biggest comebacks in Titans history. So check that out. Um, but back to the cornerbacks at hand. 
Here's what I'm going to do. Ugh, this is a tough one. I love Cortland Finnegan. He definitely overachieved. He was a seventh-round pick out of Samford. Not Stanford, Samford. And he was a really entertaining player. In fact, one time he got in a fight with Andre Johnson. Ugh. Altron Werner was a pro bowler with us. Um, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take Samari Roll. Uh, he was a corner for us for many years in sort of like the good old days of the Titans uh, when our fan base was really like starting to get rolling and uh, the continuity of him being on the team along with his counterparts um, he provided continuity and a structure for our fan base to grab onto. So I'm taking Samari Roll, and I'm also going to take Ultron Werner. Uh, so that's who I'm taking. Samari Roll, Ultron Werner. I also love Cortland Finnegan. And the Malcolm Butler deal has been actually turned out really well for us. Um, so honorable mention to him. At safety, we got some options. I'm taking two safeties. So we've got Blaine Bishop, Michael Griffin, Kenny Vaccaro, Kevin Byard. You know who's not on this list? Jonathan Cyprian. I don't mean to... Hmm. I don't... I don't mean to... This is this might come off bad. But if Jonathan Cyprian doesn't get injured three years ago, I don't know that the Titans ever become what they are today. The fact that Kenny Vaccaro was just a free agent that we signed and he has come in and been one of the most consistent players on our team for the past two years. I mean, I remember some games down the stretch three years ago. We were winning by the skin of our teeth with Jonathan Cyprian out there at safety. I mean, it was rough. So he's definitely not on this list. So here's what I'm going to do at safety. Give me Blaine Bishop, which also some sentimental value, local radio personality now, Blaine Bishop and Kevin Byard, who he's a pro bowler. I mean, he's one of the, his interception numbers have been way down this year. He did get one today, his first of the season. Um, he's a ball hawk. I think what he's doing for our team this season in terms of leadership behind the scenes is as important as the interceptions. So I'm taking Kevin Byard and I'm taking Blaine Bishop. So just to run this back, this has been really fun. Oh, I forgot about kicker and punter. Oh boy. Okay. So real quick punter. We've got Craig Hentrich. We got Brett Kern, both pro bowlers, both great punters. I'm taking Brett Kern because when you are consistently a nine and seven football team, your punter is one of the most important players on the team. Brett Kern has done a great job for us. And at kicker, we got some options. Al Del Greco, Joe Nedney, Rob Baronis, Ryan Suckup. 
And I'm going to take Rob Baronis. Uh, may he rest in peace. He was automatic for us for years, and he actually like gave the Titans some hope some seasons when things were looking real rough. So I'm taking Rob Baronis. So let's run back through the all-Titans team here. At quarterback, we got Steve Air McNair. Running back, Derek Henry. Our receivers, Derek Mason, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis. At tight end, we got Delaney Walker. On the offensive line, we've got Bruce Matthews and Brad Hopkins. Defensive line, Javon Curse, the freak, and Albert Hainsworth. At linebacker, Keith Bullock, Jayon Brown. At cornerback, we got Samari Roll and Alteron Werner. And at safety, Blaine Bishop and Kevin Byard. And then once again, at punter, we got Brett Kern. At kicker, we got Rob Baronis. That's the All-Titans team, everybody. So if you have thoughts on who should be on that team, let me know. Odds are there is an obvious one that I just messed up on. So find that. Let me know. That has been Titans talk. That's what I think about the Titans this season. I am feeling good about the Titans division chances. And I am liking our chances here, guys. I'm liking our chances. I'll just I'll just say this. The Titans Super Bowl odds before the season were 30 to 1. I would say they're higher now. So I'm feeling good. Uh, and by higher, I mean they're better odds now. And let's let's just say that the Packers Titans Super Bowl matchup was a hundred and eighty five to one at the beginning of the season. So if some smart gambler out there put a dollar on that, they could make a hundred eighty five dollars. Now I'm not saying who that is. I'm just saying I want that to happen for that person who may or may not be me. So anyways, um, rooting for the Titans. I really like this team. J-Rob has done a great job putting it together. Vrabel is doing a great job coaching them. I'm hopeful. My expectations are not too high, but I am hopeful. So tighten up everybody out there. Go Titans down the stretch. Merry Christmas. I hope that you have a great Christmas. I will be tuning in to watch The Bachelorette two-part season finale Monday night and Tuesday night this week. So that's going to be exciting too. Anyways, thank you for listening to my podcast today and have a good one.